Hey, y'all. How you doing? So, um, Thanksgiving. I hope your Thanksgiving was good. I know um, we've had in our, in our history, in our family, some that were good, some that were not so good. This was honestly one of the best ones our family has ever had. And it was crazy um, just seeing people come together. And we, as a family, we decided last week, whenever we're watching movies or eating or playing games, no phones. And between services, I'm sitting back in my office and my iPhone said, last week you used 20% less than normal phone time. thought, praise God, mission accomplished, okay? So um, we're going to talk about love today. For those of y'all that are new to church, Advent is the preparation or preparing our hearts for the coming of King Jesus. And usually love comes later, but as I was studying the verse that we're going to go over this week, uh, 1 John 4, 7 through probably 10, I realized something that without godly love, none of the others count. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says, that without love, none of this matters. So we, in this season, we have to get the love right if we're going to enjoy peace and hope and joy. So here's our order of Advent. This week, we'll talk about love. Uh, Without godly love, none of the others count. Next week, we're going to talk about peace. What real love brings, this agape love that we're going to talk about today, is it brings peace. What love does is it trumps a lot of things like anxiety, fear. It puts it back in its space and it allows us to recognize who we are and what we're called to do. Therefore, peace or shalom can be upon us. Now, when a lot of us talk about peace, we're talking about just physical rest. Uh, Talking to my daughters when they, uh, all three of them do really well in school, and I ask them, what are your expectations for this Thanksgiving? Well, we're just really tired. I said, okay, what are you gonna do about that? Well, we we, want to sleep a lot. And, and we're, we're down with them doing that. I said, what else are you going to do about that? I said, Daddy, what do you mean? I said, honey, peace is not just physically resting. It's emotionally and spiritually resting in the fact that you are cared for, that you are provided for, that you have been given security. Therefore, your anxiety can go from here, it can be minimized, and your faith in God can be increased. So we'll talk about peace next week. Then we'll talk about hope. And hope is an anchor in Christ. And what real peace does as anxiety is exited, as peace comes in, is that hope can, almost like somebody turns the light on and you realize what you're anchored in. Um, Peace enables hope. And what hope does is change our actions. When you and I are anchored in the right things, then we respond the right way, okay? And the last one is joy. And all all three, free from the suffering of this present day, allow us to focus on the one who saves. Joy is not happiness. I'm sure some of y'all experienced happiness this past week. I did. I went carbohydrate crazy. Anybody join me in the room? Some of y'all live on carbs. I do not. So my sister made this incredible portobello mushroom and sourdough and pumpernickel dressing with bacon in it, and I just ate a lot of it, and croissants, and there were cookies and pies, and by Friday, I was limping, 
Like my inflammation went through the roof, okay? So I enjoyed that, but then you have to come back to that space where like, okay, now it's time to refocus uh, and, 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 and recenter on what we're called to do. Christmas is not about all the things. It's about the birth of Jesus. And this is where Advent will take us Christmas Eve. Now, here is the statement I'll give you up front. We've talked about this before. For us to walk into 1 John 4, 7 through 10 today, let me make these statements. And oh, oh one thing, everybody take out your phone right now. I was gonna actually send out an email or a text and say, you can bring your iPads, you can bring your laptops. That'd be easier. I want, with uh, all the technology we have available to us today, I want you to, to look up one verse about love in the Bible that you think is one of the top verses about love, okay? Bunch of churchies in here. Those of y'all that are new to church, you can Google it if you want to, but um, those of y'all that are in church, I want you to come up, and I'll give you the top five voted verses in the Bible. It doesn't make them the best, but it's just you know what people voted for. So as you're doing that, let me read, let me, let me give you two ideas. Fear is a liar. Its desire is murder. It's a murder of good intentions. It's a murder of thought. It's a murder of desire. It's a murder of righteous things. Faith is truth. Its desire is life. So you have fear that wants to put to death anything and everything, either death by a thousand cuts or one act of violence towards yourself, okay? That's what fear wants to do. What faith wants to do in Christ is truth and his desire is to give you life. Its desire is to breathe into you something that feels right and healthy. Um, how many of y'all ever been to a um, place like Colorado, very high altitude? I never got altitude sickness when I was a little kid. Uh, snowboard and skiing, all those things. I turned 40, turned into an old guy, I guess. I uh, we went to Breckenridge, I think, and all that. I felt like I was gonna die. I was like having panic attacks and I like, what is going on? The lady in the hotel said, we have an oxygen bar down on the first floor. What you do is you hook yourself up. You can actually do an IV too. It's what I will do next time. But the oxygen, when I put it on my face, it was like, okay, all right, I feel better, okay? This is what we're called to do with our faith. It gives us life. So we can either feed fears and anxieties. And some of us honestly treat our anxieties, our fears, like pets. Or we treat them like just like something that's just never gonna go away. And I will submit to you this. If you're not in the habit or action of killing your fears, your fears are in the habit and action of killing you. Okay, so we want to increase and grow our faith in truth, which is real righteousness. And we want to dismiss and do away with all these anxieties. Fear lies to cover the truth. Faith speaks truth to eliminate lies, all right? That's what we want to do. So therefore, because of these things, our only hope is to trust in Christ who has loved us and gives us life and gives life to others through us. That is crucial. If we're going to read these verses right today about love, you and I are called to receive a special kind of love from Almighty God, and then we're called to do what with that love? Give it away, okay? Um, what we will see from scripture today is that if you do not receive from God his godly agape love, you cannot love others as you've been called to love them. Has to be received 
and then it has to be given away. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Go from here. First John 4, 7 through 10. Uh, Lord, speak to us as only you can. Open our hearts that we might see. We want to love, Lord. We do believe that we have the love emotion in us. But what your word says that apart from you, we, we have nothing. Um, and if we don't have love, we can't experience these other things. So show us today, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Christians, I will believe today that this scripture will rub you the wrong way a little bit, maybe offend you. For those of you that aren't Christians, that are really just being called by Christ right now, this is gonna highly encourage you. Because the love that you have right now, the the worldly love that you have for your loved ones, what scripture will say to you today that if you trust in Christ and you receive from him, from the creator who made love, this real love, you'll even have a higher capacity to love those around you. Hear the word of God. Dear friends, let us love one another. Let us agape one another. Because love is from God, And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. We are called to love. Who are we called to love? Everyone. You understand there's not a selective process there. That I don't get to say as your pastor, listen, you guys, I definitely love. Y'all are doing the right things. This side, y'all need to bring up your game a little bit, okay? I don't love you, I like you, but I will love you if you perform for me, all right? Who we are called to love is not just our circle. We're called to love one another, okay? Now, um, Galatians takes us to the next level. Check this out. Therefore, as we have opportunity, you and I, let us work for the good of all. So we're to love everybody. We have a saying in our home, we love everybody, we invest in a few, Let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So so what's the order of care for the Christian? It's Christians. And even more so, if you back that up a step, it's your family. Now, we were raised, I was raised in a ministerial home. Some of y'all were here. I see you. I know your families. What my parents were taught in the 70s and 80s is that you give 110% to the church and then you take care of your family. And that's how it was. Um, I I know my mom and dad love me. Uh, They definitely love my sister and I. But I know in retrospect, there was a greater emphasis put on other people instead of the first in line for that care. So as believers, what we're called to do is listen... I'm glad you care for everybody outside the church. The question is, do you care for your family, the body of Christ? This is where we're called to begin the one another's. This is where it needs to begin. So um, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So why? Because all real love is from God. So I would say to you that if as a non-believer, you believe you love your kids, you love them, but only in a worldly way. It's not a a bad love. It it can be a good love, but it's not the best love. It's not the highest love. It's not the love that is the best thing you can give to. Now, I'm going to say this right now. We'll talk about it at the end of the sermon. Uh, Hold up your hand. Some of y'all have seen me do this before. This represents you. This is your grandkids. These are your grandkids' grandkids. 
How do you affect them? I want you to think about it. We'll come back to that. Only those who know God can love in this profound, forever changing way. If you don't love in this way, you aren't of God. Literally, what the scripture is saying right here is that if you don't love this way, you're, you're, not, a, you're, not, a, you're not loving in, through Christ. You're loving through your own flesh. Now, I have um, a lot of people getting married in our church, and I had a couple come in this past week, uh, this week or last week, I can't remember now. But they, they sat down, and I, and I asked them at the beginning of the counseling premarital uh, session, I think a lot of you married people are going to get a kick out of this. I said, listen, here's my question, because they're, they're so in love right now. They just, they're dripping and oozing love, and they're holding hands, and they're very close, and all those wonderful things that we know is good. It's good. It's not all the time, but it's good. It's really good. And so I said to them, hey, I'm going to ask you at the end of the counseling session, what are the things that are going to keep you together when you don't like each other anymore? What are the things that are going to keep you loving and serving one another and, and, and with one another when your spouse is, the, is on your hit list, basically, okay? And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? We're about to get married. It's the best, best relationship ever. And so we talked about all the things, and I came back and I asked the uh, first person, I said, um, so what's going to keep you guys together? And uh, that person said, well, we have a very tight group of friends and family. We're very accountable to them, and they are accountable to us, and that's going to that's gonna keep us together in the future. And I said, that's really, really good. And it's up there, but it's not number one. And I asked the second person, um, what's going to keep you guys together when you don't like one another? I tried to clear, I was trying to soft pitch them. Like when you don't, you don't like each other anymore, okay? And, th- and that uh, person said, well, I just, I love them so much. And that love is going to keep us together. And I said, that's really important what you said. Neither one of those is enough. Neither one is enough. I said, here's, what's going to keep you together. And here is what keeps us in this vein of this agape love. What's going to keep you together as a married couple when you don't like each other anymore, when you're angry at one another, when you're put out, when you're ticked off, this is what's going to keep you in love with one another, staying with one another. You're going to look to Jesus who has saved you as a believer. You're going to comprehend this agape love and you're going to realize that in your relationship with Jesus, he has never, ever lied to you, but you have lied to him. He has never, ever cheated on you. You have cheated on him. He has never turned away from you, but you have turned away from him. He has never treated you in a haughty or violent manner, yet you have done those things. So as people in a relationship with Almighty God, as we receive agape love, we must comprehend in that process that the reason why we needed that agape love is because of our deep sin state. And in our deep sin state, our Savior has never done the things that we've done. And what has he done? He's continued to pursue us. He's continued to love us. He's continued to unrelentingly care for us. He's continued to forgive us. Christian, this is the only thing we have. 
when it comes to real relationships. It's the gospel parable that we connected that we have with Almighty God and how He has loved us. That's what's going to keep us together. Um, top five love verses. All right, I looked up five of these, and um, did everybody look up a verse? Everybody look up. Okay, feel like you got a good lock on what's number one, what's number two. I'm going to start with number five. We'll go up from there. This had a thousand votes. First Peter four eight. Anybody choose First Peter four eight? Okay, all right. Either y'all really know what you're talking about or you're completely lost. Here's the verse. <laughs> Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. It's a powerful verse. It's a big one right here. Keep loving one another earnestly, which means what? We're relentless in our love, which means that when you're in argument with somebody you love, be it a kid or a parent or a spouse or whatever, that you're the one that chooses to come back and say, regardless of what's happened, let's make this right. That is being relentless. You're the one that comes back and said, I'm sorry. You're the one that chooses to say, no matter what, let's work this out. That's being relentless. Why is it important for believers in agape love to be relentless in our love because it covers a multitude of sins. How, how many of us have things that we're not proud of that we've done, that we've thought, that we've said, that we've looked at, that we responded to, that we've turned away from, that we've not cared for, that we've laughed at? These are the things that we're guilty of. And the one that we're in relationship with deep in our heart was there as seeing all the things we've done. And his choice to you and to me is to be relentless in his love for us and to cover a multitude of our sins. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is agape love. It covers, it wipes away. It doesn't keep memory. Number four, top five love verses. 1 John 4.19. Did anybody choose that one? Anybody? Travis sit in the back, one of our elders. Very pastorly of you, Travis. And it's a good one, right? We love, why? Because he first loved us. You, you don't love first, and God's like, okay, I'll love you in return. God has loved you since the beginning of time and before that. He has been relentless in his care for you, and therefore you love him back. Now, let me tell you how that translates into our families today. For those of us that, are, that, that have children, maybe one day, and maybe some of you have children's children, wouldn't it be a great value for your kids, your littles, your bigs right now to say, I love people in my life because my parents loved me. They showed me God's love. Therefore, I have my own independent relationship with Almighty God through Jesus. And my parents showed me what relentless love was. They cared for me. They served me. They forgave me. They pursued me as Christ has pursued them. That's why that verse means so much to me. We love because he first loved us. Well, then I want my kids to recognize that the first person they can ever remember loving them is me and their mother. I, I want to be the first. I want to care for them and love them. I want to um, pass on to them what Christ has given to me. All right, number three, verse 1 John 4, 7, we were going over it right now. Anybody pick that one? Okay, thank you, Maddie, good job. 
Beloved, let's love one another. Love is of God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is what we're studying right now. is huge. How many of y'all learned that in a song when you're a little kid or a young person? Beloved, let us love. Anybody remember? Okay, it's all churches right there. Um, number two, top five love verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. How many we got? All right, several of y'all? Okay, all right. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. They do what? Faith is conditional and hope is conditional and love is, no, it abides, it stays, it's present. It doesn't go away. This is agape love for you. This is how we should love. It does not go away. Doesn't matter what irritates you, you're called to agape love. You're called to have faith. You're called to abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I would come back to the premise, if we don't have a foundation of love, you can't really be at peace. I've had people tell me before in counseling, well, you know, I'm just really at peace right now in my life, but I will not forgive my brother or my sister for what they did. I will not forgive my spouse. Like, no, you can't be at peace. You're probably at rest in some way. You're probably at a detente, but you're not in shalom. You're not in real peace outside of you truly understanding and comprehending that the greatest of these things is agape love because it's the greatest thing Christ has given us. All right, first one, number one, had 2,944 votes online. First Corinthians 13, four through seven. How many of y'all chose that? Well, what verses did y'all choose then? That's a good one. What's another one? All right, Edinburgh, you shout out some names too. Okay, number one, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Now, we're gonna read this verse and we're gonna have it point to us. This is how most of us read it. Love is patient and kind. All right, I already missed that one. Love does not envy or boast. Sorry, family. It is not arrogant or rude. Missed it again. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We've been taught to read this verse in the context of us. That's not the context you're called to read this verse. So let me, let me, let me reread it for you. God's love is patient and kind. God's love does not envy or boast. God's love is not arrogant or rude. God's love does not insist on its own way. Even though it can, it's the right way. We talked about last week that God has knowledge. He doesn't work through his ideas. He knows what is right and what is wrong. He knows what shall be and what shall not be. We're the ones that work through our own ways. God's love is not irritable or resentful. God's love does not rejoice when we do wrong. On the contrary, he weeps. He longs for us to believe him. He longs for, uh, to give us the right things, but we, we choose our own paths sometimes. God's love rejoices with the truth. God's love bears all things. God's love believes all things about himself and calls us to believe it. God's love hopes all things. God's love endures all things. Now that is encouraging because that's what we need, but this is how we are called to love. So let's finish this up, verse nine and 10 today. Um, Here's what verse nine says. 
God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Catch that. Verse 10, love consists in this way, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So how in the world do we do this? How do we love one another? How do we make 1 Corinthians 13, 13 uh, a lifestyle for us? How do we agape love those that irritate us, that we're impatient with, all these things? It's only through Jesus. It's the only hope we have. Check this out. We live through Jesus, therefore we love through Jesus. That Jesus becomes our filter for all relationships. I think we're fine to have Jesus as our filter when things are going well for us. But when somebody really ticks us off and makes us angry, we kind of say, Jesus, you stand over there. I am, this is how I feel. I have been wronged. I have been hurt. Therefore, I will handle this. And what Christ says is, no, apart from me, you got nothing. You got nothing. You need me in all things. Love does not begin with your feelings, your wants, your loyalties. It begins with God's love for us through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Jesus paid for our sin. We are now free to love him in return and free now to love others only through that love. So the family member that you struggle with, you can't love them on your own. They maybe can't love you on their own, but you can love them through Jesus. The kid that you're struggling with right now, you, maybe you can't understand where, they're, where they are, but Jesus does. You love them through Jesus. Jesus has to be the present all the time for us to walk in this agape love. May the Lord bless the reading of this word today. May he speak clearly to us about the, just the fact and order of things. I want you to emotionally enjoy the holidays. It's a good thing. I want you to smile. Uh, we watched, uh, our family watched The Man from Snowy River this past week. Do y'all remember that movie? I just said that to some of the 20-somethings before, and they were like, I've never heard of that movie before. How dare you? Pull it up on Netflix this week. It's a good family movie. Um, now, my family, we are all Latin in our hearts, so we talk through the whole movie. And it drives my white mother crazy and Emma, my 16-year-old. But the rest of us, we have observations about everything that happens in the movie. Does anybody do that in here? Drive your family crazy? We talk to the movie the whole time. There was like 12 of us on the couch all together. We cranked the movie up as loud as we could. None of us had our phones. They were all put away. And we just giggled and laughed at this cheesy 80s movie for two and a half hours. And the emotion was great. It was fun, but the underlying current was agape love. That Selena and I had sat down with our girls before the week and said, listen, the only thing we will do this week is we're gonna set aside through Christ our anxieties. We're gonna set aside through Christ the what ifs and we have tos and we have to please people and we're gonna love one another and we're gonna serve one another and we're gonna be patient and we're gonna be kind and that's it. And that's all we did for three days. I would say without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, it was the best 
Thanksgiving my family has ever had, and we've had some very hard ones, and some of you have too. It is within your power, through the love of Jesus, and through agape love that's being given you for the rest of the holidays, for you to make it the kind of holidays you've, you've called to be a part of. You can't control anybody else, but you can control how you feel, how you respond, how you love, and how you care. May God call us to that deeper comprehension. And as many times as we have to reboot back to, let me preach the gospel to myself again. What has Jesus done? How does Jesus love me? How has Jesus forgiven me? How has Jesus been patient with me? How has Jesus continued to pursue me? These are the ways of agape love. And this is how we're called to care for one another. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for simple verses that have profound meaning. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that the love we have for others is not something we created or manifested. It's directly from you. We have feelings. We have visceral responses. But Lord, you have deep, abiding, forever, relentless, forgiving love. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would come under your knowledge, under your power, under your authority. We ask, Lord, that we would forgive people that we need to forgive because you have forgiven us. And we ask, Lord, that we would ask forgiveness for those that we have offended. And we pray, Lord, for a deeper abiding love through you, King Jesus, and not our own power. Uh, Lord, for those that need prayer today, I pray that they would seek it out. Those that need to have conversation about this and need help, need counseling, Father, may we be available as a body, all for the glory of your name. In your name we pray, King Jesus, amen. Church, when you're ready, I, I, I'd encourage you to...